I wanted to share, cite a lot of examples of what I'm trying to say to you, how America and even the church has strayed away. Boy, we're going to go down the list. Are you with me? I wanted to cite those things, but if you would, I believe the Spirit has led me to do it this way. If you would allow for me to take you back to Israel once more, because the parallels are identical. The more things change, the more they stay the same. here at New Life Community Church. Thank you so much for turning us on, tuning us in. I trust, as always, that the Lord's going to bless you all over the place as we fellowship together here around His Word for the next 28 and a half minutes or so. We're going to attempt to begin to wrap up a series that we've been in all summer long. It's one titled Ezra. I have been saying to you that there are some events taking shape not only in our own country but around the world that point to the imminent return, the soon return of Christ. Now listen, I'm not throwing that out there as a scare tactic or to uh, say to you that I am an alarmist or I believe there's some great conspiracy going on. Uh, however, I do believe that there is a conspiracy going on in the spirit world and time is drawing to a conclusion, time as we know it. My question to you is this, are you ready for the return of Christ. I conclude this program each and every week by suggesting to you that Jesus is coming back. And I ask the question, is He coming back for you? What do I mean by that? I mean by that, are you ready? Is He coming back for you? Or would you be one of those that's left behind? That will not be a good situation. With that, we're going to jump right on into this teaching. Our text passage, obviously, is from the book of Ezra, chapter 10. I want to read an additional scripture uh, as we get going here because we're going to jump into it pretty quickly as we get into uh, this particular episode of the teaching. And this one's found in James, James chapter 4. Listen to verse number 14. It asks a very, very important question, and I'm going to pose this question to you. Here we go, James 4 and 14. What is your life? What is your life? And James answers that. You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Your life, my life, everyone's life. I've lived long enough to know, beloved, you're here for a little while and then poof, you're gone. Then the next life. Are you ready for the return of Christ? Are you ready for the next life. Let me pray for you. Father God, I thank you for each one that's turned on this telecast, and I pray in Jesus' name that you would speak to each heart by your living, powerful word, and we'll thank you for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hey, you hang on. I'm going to be back here in just a little while at the conclusion of the teaching to wrap things up, and we'll talk for a moment. God bless. the B. 
beginning of this will sound familiar to you. I am giving it to you in summary this morning, but there's a lot of uh, new little tidbits in there, so don't go to sleep on me thinking that you've already got this memorized. I have been attempting to actually have been building toward this particular entry in this series for a number of weeks now, trying to lay a foundation for what I believe is a very important and a very timely message. Beloved, there are some events taking shape, not only in our own country, the United States of America, but around the globe that point to the imminent return of Christ. What I mean by that is the soon return of Christ. I'm not telling you that to scare you. The church shouldn't be scared when they hear that. The church should erupt with thunderous applause when they hear that, amen? Listen, God has forewarned humanity. Let me do that again. God has forewarned humanity beginning centuries ago, and we went through this weeks ago, about the exact way that time as we know it how that time will wind down in order to usher in God's eternal kingdom. What we're experiencing now is not eternal, but it will be soon enough. The details that God has given us in advance provide, in my humble opinion, a rather gracious preview. Let me do that again. It provides a rather gracious preview. Put forth from a merciful God of creation. How many of you know that God is merciful? Isn't he? He is. And he's put this forth, put these warnings out there, these cautions, if you please, to call and influence what I'm going to call thinking men and women to be sober-minded regarding the brevity of our time in this present existence. Let me remind you of what James said again, chapter 4, verse 14. James asked this rhetorical question, actually, what is your life? Have you thought about that lately? What is your life? And James answers that question. You, regardless of who you are, you are a mist. Your life is just a mist, a vapor, I think the old version says, that appears for a little while and then vanishes. The mantra, perhaps you've heard before, someone say something alike, life is short, so live it to the fullest. That has never made a whole lot of sense to me. It's always seemed, if you'll pardon the the pun, a little short-sighted. Here's a better theme. It's number one on your study notes. If you're visiting with us for the first time, Yep, we actually fill them puppies in on Sunday morning. So fill it in with me. It's a tool that you can take home with you and hopefully learn something about the Word of God. Beloved, eternity is forever. How long? And forever is a long, long time. You can't think of eternity in terms of time. Eternity is forever. And I want to suggest to you that should compel one to make preparations for it. If it lasts forever, no ending, then one should be prepared for that because there's only uh, one of two places where you can spend that eternity. Eternity 
forever. Never mind this short life. At best, you might live to be. I knew one gentleman in my, one of the churches I pastored, uh, Brother Gurney Williams. Gurney lived to be 106 years old. How many of you know that's old? That's old as dirt right there. Most of us are not going to live that long. But I'm sure if you would talk to Gurney today, if you could go to heaven and sit down with him and talk with him, he would say to you, boy, that went by just like that. But not where he is now. That's eternity. I have been preaching to you that Ezra depicts a story and a message for every generation. Would that include our generation? Say yes. Every generation would include our generation. To me, that's one of the cool things about the Bible. It's not just a history book. Does it contain history? Yes. Does it also talk about the future, that which hasn't even happened yet? Yes. It's a really cool book, and it will not only apply to our generation, but to your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren as the Lord Tarries. Now, let me again briefly remind you of the condition of Ezra's people, the Israelites. At this time, that nation has been divided into the northern and the southern kingdom. During the time of Ezra and his many contemporaries, the divided kingdom of Israel was under was under actually in exile. They had been exiled, captured, and hauled away under the heavy hand of a foreign, alien, enemy king. Look at your neighbor and say, that don't sound too good. No, it wasn't good. Now, I want to suggest to you the really important part of that equation is not where they were, where they had been exiled to or who it is that they were under, who the king was. That's not all that important. But rather the why. Why were they in such a predicament in the first place? These are God's chosen people. These are God's covenant people. These are the people that God chose for, for his name, and he promised to protect them and provide for them. And now all of a sudden we realize they are somewhere in exile under the hand, heavy hand of a king, an, an enemy. What's up with that? The answer is this. God's people. Everybody say God's people. God's people had drifted away from him. Drifted away from him. I've been preaching to you about this for weeks, and I've been asking you, is that a big deal? Is that a big deal? Yeah, it's a big deal. Why? Because there are consequences from drifting sins. Drifting sins, watch this. Not a little sidestep, not a stumble, not a stub in your toe and confessing of that and repenting of that, but a stumble and a stumble, which becomes a lifestyle, which eventually leads to chaos. And I'm not going to preach that whole thing to you again. There are consequences from drifting sins. Listen to this preacher. There's a lot of preachers that tell you you can't do this and you can't do that. Let me tell you something. You can do what you want to do. But you do not determine the consequences when it comes to spiritual matters. 
Preacher, you sure are arrogant about that. No, I'm not trying to be that way. I'm not trying to, to, to come to you with some kind of bulldog tenacity. I'm just trying to help you understand the truth that, beloved, it's not us that determine the consequences of sin. It's God, and He has already made that determination. There are consequences from drifting sins. Isaiah highlights one of them, chapter 59 and verse 2, but your iniquities... Your iniquities, again, not just a stumble, a lifestyle, actually almost backsliding. Your iniquities have separated you from your God. Is that serious? I'm telling you, it would be serious to this preacher this morning if I felt like I had been separated from my God because my God has saved me from my sins and an eternal destruction in a place called hell and prepared for me a place of eternal bliss, a place called heaven. And to be separated from that would be a tragedy, would be an understating way to say, an understatement of a way to say that. I probably will not have to spend a great deal of time attempting to convince you that, like the people of Ezra's day, many of our own neighbors, think about your neighbors. That would include family members, work associates. Many of our own neighbors have drifted away from Almighty God. Am I right? Would I have to spend a lot of time convincing you of that? Isn't that right? Watch this. Even the church, the called out ones, the church, beloved, have drifted away from Almighty God. Perhaps, perhaps more missional than intentional, but a drifting nonetheless. There's a, a little book, a relatively small volume. It has a lot of impact that I have read and, and it was drawn back to even this week. It's entitled Mission Drift. I had forgotten about even having that little book. And as I got into this, the Holy Spirit, I believe, drew me to that. I thought, wow, that spoke so much about what we've been talking about the last few weeks. In that book, the authors say, and I quote, it's tragic that many believers are functional Atheists. That's number two on your study notes. Let me do that again. Many believers are functional atheists. Wow. I heard Dr. David Jeremiah this week. I would say he's a gentleman and a scholar when it comes to the Word of God. He and I may not wear the same stripe in terms of uh, denominational uh, preferences and so on and so forth. That's all right. He said this. He had to been in attendance of even some pretty well-known churches over the last little while, and he never heard God mentioned. It's Dr. David Jeremiah. It's not some kook looking for something kooky. Does that bother you? Does that speak to the issue? Many believers are functional atheists. Even many in the church have strayed away. Many well-known churches today never hear the word God mentioned from the pulpit. And I will add, many of them never hear born again mentioned from the pulpit. Many of them never hear spirit and filling from the pulpit. Many of them never hear conviction mentioned from the pulpit or the word of God, the Bible mentioned from the pulpit. God forbid that ever happens at New Life 
community church. Listen to me, beloved. Sin leads to sin. Little habitual sins lead to even greater sins. Eventually, it's as though sin reproduces itself and then begins to develop into a type of sin that ultimately devours itself. It's almost like, almost like the punishment for unconfessed sin is to have to bear with greater outbreaks of sin. Are you still with me? Is this heavy this morning or what? Listen, contemporarily, I'm talking about right now. I could and I wanted to. Oh, I had been preparing for this bullet list for weeks. I wanted to share, cite a lot of examples of what I'm trying to say to you, how America and even the church has strayed away Boy, we were going to go down the list. Are you with me? I wanted to cite those things, but if you would, I believe the Spirit has led me to do it this way. If you would allow for me to take you back to Israel once more, because the parallels are identical. The more things change, the more they stay the same. I'm frequently impressed through my reading of the Bible, especially the Old Testament. If you don't read it, I encourage you to read the Bible and read the Old Testament. I am impressed how often God's chosen people desert Him and drift away. You've been hearing this for days now. They desert Him and drift away. Watch this. They lose focus. They lose focus, and they drift, drift, drift. Psalm 106 is a condensed historical accounting of such. Go with me there. If you don't have your Bibles, it'll magically appear on the screen. Psalm 106, beginning in verse 7, or verse 6, rather. The psalmist says, we have sinned. Look at this. Even as our fathers did. They did it. Now we're doing it. We have done wrong and acted wickedly. Verse 7, when our fathers were in Egypt, they gave no thought to your miracles, God, to your miracles. They did not remember your many kindnesses. What's up with that? And they rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea. Go down to verse 14. In the desert, they gave in to their craving. In the wasteland, they put God to the test. Verse 15, so he gave them what they asked for, but sent a wasting disease upon them. They gave no thought. They did not remember God's kindness. They rebelled against the things of God. They were living in the flesh, and, and by such, they were testing God. Beloved, commenting on this passage, Psalm 106, Mr. Gill in his very fine commentary says, and I quote, It is true in a spiritual sense that while the bodies of wicked men are fed and pampered, their souls are starved and at last eternally lost. 
a sad reflection seen in many of our neighbors today. You still with me? You picking up what I'm putting down? I want to talk to you just a little bit this morning about the logistics of drifting, the mechanics of drifting, what it is that prompts it, what it looks like. I'm at number three on your study notes, and at this pace we'll be out of here by 1.30. Fill us in with me. The very nature of spiritual drifting is deceptive. It's deceptive. What is it, church? Say it out loud. Beloved, we're going to wrap it up right there tonight this way. Something I said earlier in the message, as I read through the Bible in my devotional reading, even in my study time, especially the Old Testament, I am struck by how often God's chosen people, the Israelites, deserted God and drifted away from Him. They lost their focus and they drifted away. And as I look around the community today and the world in which we all live, I'm seeing something very similar. Even among church people, not all of them, thank the Lord, but a great number of them, they've lost focus and drifted away. Losing focus, watch, by looking somewhere else instead of where they should be looking. Instead of focusing on God, they've lost focus. They're gandering at something else, and they begin to drift away from God. Does that describe you? That's not a good place to be. And I know there's a popular theology today that says you just, you're rubber stamped and you become a believer and you get the t-shirt and then you just go on living your life just like you think you ought to live it, just doing your own thing. Well, I want to encourage you to read through the Bible, the Word of God, in particular the book of Acts, the book of Acts, and we call it the fifth gospel, and observe how those folks lived. You see, there's a change that takes place when you're born again. That's what born again means. There's a change. Paul told the Corinthian church that all things became new, not on the outside, but on the inside, from the heart outward. And when the heart changes, then we'll notice a change on the outside in a very short period of time. Where are you today? Is your heart still focused, a laser-like focus on the things of God? Are you reading, studying the Word, allowing the Word to get into you, developing a prayer life, a conversational prayer life, where you not only talk at God and say, okay, God, here's what I need today, but you take some moments to listen to that still, small voice that tells you whether to go right or left, whether to stay put or to move ahead. Are you developing, growing, maturing in the things of the Lord? Are you ready? Are you anticipating the return of Christ. You know, I found it to be true when I have conversations with a lot of folks. I say, you know, I'm, I'm, look, I'm looking for that time when Christ comes back, but not today. I have some other things to do. Can I ask you, what guarantee do you have of today? Maybe not that Christ is coming back, but what about your own existence? Now, I know that sounds a little bit creepy, but that it's the truth. And what we need is some more Ezra's in our day and age to call people's attention to the fact that there is a drifting. And if you can drift away, then doesn't it make sense that you can also drift back? And that's my challenge to you. That's my prayer for you. Father God, I thank you again for each one listening into this telecast. I pray specifically for those that have lost focus and begin to drift away 
from your word, your will, your purpose, your plan for their life. May they hear you, and I pray you would draw them back and they would yield to that influence in their life and make their way back to you and be in victory and a victorious relationship with you for the rest of the days of their life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hey, before I get out of here, I do want to remind you that New Life Community Church has a regular schedule of activities Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. We also have midweek activities Wednesday evening at 7 o'clock, something for nearly every member of the family, and that might just include you. Hey, listen, I'm going to end, I'm going to conclude the program this week with something a little bit different. Uh, I'm going to share with you some highlights from our recent baptismal celebration. Man, what a great time that was, and we'll just trail, uh, trail the end of the program with that. I trust you'll be blessed as you watch people being blessed. You have a great day. What's left of it? I am Terry Knighton, pastor of New Life Community Church, reminding you, my friends, that Jesus is coming back. Is He coming back for you?
I don't 